Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hi, welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz. This is the call between now and 1pm Eastern. Uh, we take a look at 10 stocks that you've suggested, plus a stock of the day. We put it to an expert panel and... Uh, Got the, certainly got the A-team today uh, looking absolutely stylish in their um, um, home barber uh, outcomes from lockdown. It's called the Lockdown Haircuts for Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investment <laughs> and Nathan Thomas and Darren from Deep Data Analytics. Uh, Gaurav, how'd it go? You're certainly getting in the, into the style of the shaved head. <laughs> the, the weird thing is, Koshi, um, you probably understand this, but... Um, I was very disappointed when I started losing my hair, not because I was losing my hair, but because um, I, it, I meant I have never had more haircuts than I've had now. <laughs> you always got to keep it trim, and it's hard to do now. I'm yep. getting pretty good at using both hands, you know, going around, but not easy. <laughs> and, Nathan, we've seen some of your exploits on Twitter as well, so going well. Oh, he's still at it. <laughs> yeah, look, it's going well. Um, you know, cooking is, I'm becoming professional. Um, now we're doing a movie marathon. So we've gone through the Lord of the Rings. We've done the Star Trek, oh, the new series. Who, who knew Christopher Chris Pine is hot? That, <laughs> that was the defense. My daughter looked at and said, she didn't want to look at it and then looked at Chris Pine and said, yep, we're going to watch it. And now <laughs> we're going... Oh, I love it. Everyone's got a story, haven't they? All right, guys, let's get stuck into it. Stock of the day. Um, Got to have a look at uh, Afterbay. Hard to miss this one this morning. Clearly the talk of the town and the markets. Uh, Jack Dorsey Square is planning to acquire the Aussie buy now, pay later leader in an all stock deal worth 29 billion US dollars. Square is expected to finalise a transaction by the first quarter of fiscal 2022. The US fintech will then establish a secondary listing here on the ASX. Uh, the board has unanimously recommended the offer. Existing shareholders will receive three-eighths of a square stock with no tax implications expected. This all comes as the buy now, pay later firm reports full year revenues of nearly a billion dollars. And of course, alongside this news, the question for us all is uh, on the call, does this news re-rate other buy now, pay later players. Um, uh, Gaurav Sodhi um, came out of the blue, not a whisper of this around the place, although uh, some groups have been taking strategic 
um, stakes in after pay over the last couple of months. Uh, what do you think of the bid? Yeah, a big surprise. Um, we know Square. I'm actually the analyst on Tyro, and I've had a good look at Square and some of the international competitors. Been really impressed with the business I've seen, and they do something quite unique. They actually integrate um, point of sale with uh, with with uh, merchant as a, and and merchant acquirer services. So it, it's a real point of differentiation, and the ecosystem's powerful. They've already got a really strong um, cash app, which has. I think sort of 50 or 70 million users. So uh, the acquisition of Afterpay's customers is a relatively small addition to their existing platform user base. So I was particularly surprised to see Square as the acquirer here. Um, I would have thought there would have been maybe some industry consolidation before there'd be a big tech out like this. Um, there are a couple of points to make, uh, Koshif. One is that it certainly validates the uh, buy now, pay later industry and shows that this is a legitimate long-term and important rival to traditional payment channels and it probably the, the i was very surprised by the swiftness of the acceptance as well it almost seemed like i here take my money i'm out the door um there was no opportunity for a counter there was very little competition um and it's trading at a significant discount to it's the afterpay's all-time high which is unusual in the takeover of such a hot business. Um, I think it does say something about competition in the sector, and it gives us some indications about what the future might look like for buy now, pay later. And then that is that it may not, um, the service will be around, it's gonna be important, but it may not exist as a standalone business. It may be integrated into broader payment offerings. And mm. Square may have certainly set the, uh, the benchmark here, and there's probably gonna be more to come. You asked about whether it re-rates the rest of the sector, I think it does. And I think you know, we've been very, we haven't been involved in this sector at all, um, haven't owned um, any of it, done very little research, in fact, into much of it. Um, but, um, you know, I know Nathan likes uh, Zip and, and that's probably be, going to be the big beneficiary today. Mm, okay, so would you be getting into Afterpay now to get the conversion into, or if you're an Afterpay shareholder, do you accept the, the takeover offer and just let it go? Uh, look, I'm not in a great position to comment. I've just got such a bad track record on Afterpay, so don't listen to me. But right. um, <laughs> I'd be fine to accept. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do like Square, um, and I think they're offering something different and solving a real legitimate problem, solving it better than their peers. Um, mm. You know, the growth is sensational. It's I, I, the stock looks crazy expensive, but so does anything in this sector. So if you're happy to hold Afterpay, you should be happy to hold Square. Uh, Nathan? Oh, look, I've got to agree with most of the things uh, I've said. I mean, we've talked about this before. And the last time we were with you, I think we talked about what we would look at. Uh, I think we were talking about Zip. And below $7, I thought Zip was an interesting play because I actually prefer Zip. Uh, I think it's a, a better model. Um, and also the, the quality control is a lot better. Uh, look, you know, we, we looked at these stocks a long time ago. They ran. Multiples got crazy high. Uh, we couldn't justify it. We got out a while ago. It went even higher, and then it fell below, uh, and then it's come back, and it's been basically trading sideways. So if you think about where we were in December, uh, most of the buy now, pay later, including Square, actually, if you look at it in the U.S., has been really gone sideways since December. So, you know, when the market in the U.S. has gone 
uh, quite a bit. So in that context, it's interesting that the play has happened this way. Yeah, it's a real surprise that this has played out. And as Gurev said, it's even bigger surprise that management, after talking about all the growth story, actually accepted mm. the deal. You know, it's, it's at $120, $130 Aussie uh, on a comparable basis. And you have to remember, it got to $160 uh, in February. So in context, it it's, tells you where the sector is. I think the graph's right. I think the consolidation player is in uh, the valuation support. I mean, obviously, we all had issues about the regulatory side of things. Now they're all too big to fail. The government let it run too long. I don't think they can rein them in anymore. Uh, so in that context, you have to think that that's gone. I think still the consolidation play in the sector will play out. The other bonus, if you're, you know, you look at Zip. Uh, look, at the end of the day, after pay shareholders are going to say, well, where's the next big play? And it probably will look at Zip. And the other thing is there's 12, nearly 12% 12 short in Zip. Um, so I don't think that's going to get covered anytime soon. So there's going to be a fair amount of support for the Zip share price. I think over the next three to six months, Zip goes back up to probably around $9, $10. Right. Okay. Um, are the founders of Afterpay uh, sort of a bit like the lowies? Say, right, let's get out of shopping centres and everyone should have followed suit. Are the founders of Afterpay now saying, hey, we're going to take our money and run because we think this is the peak of the market. We can see competition and we're seeing the early signs of it. And uh, this is going to be as good as it gets. It certainly yeah, has that feeling. Sorry, yeah, Nathan, you go ahead. All right. Um, look, it certainly has that feel about it, doesn't it? And it's interesting to note, I mean, you bring up Westfield. Um, the transaction on Afterpay is actually larger than the Westfield transaction a couple wow. of years ago. And Westfield took sort of 50 years to build up. Afterpay is, what, a six-year-old business? It really shows you the way e-commerce and the digital economy has really just yeah. run over the physical economy. Um, and I, th I think you're right. I, I think uh, the tone set by the managers who seem very keen to take the deal and run um, in the face of um, the most competitive um, entry set that we've seen in the history of buy now, pay later, I, I think um, investors should should take heed of that and think about that a little bit before piling into the next buy now pay later mm -hmm. um, as i said i think the future here is is uh, an integrated offering where buy now pay later is part of a broader service um, offering and that's where the competitive competition is going to be hotter so um, i completely understand where the founders are coming from note their actions and and think about it before you you, you make yeah. your own action Nathan, you too yeah look i agree um i think zips come back, I mean, if you think about Zip, it halved from the peak in February. So that's why I was interested in the stock. So the pullback's been substantial compared to everyone else. Um, and, and you look at the model and say, that's probably the second biggest one that's doing quite a bit and it's gone overseas. It's got a proven play in, in going through that. So I thought Zip was way overdone. So I, I think there's that play in that. Oh, but look, as Grove said, we are probably at the peak. Uh, we thought it was, you know, we've already seen the peak in February. But the reality is the industry will uh, consolidate and become a few players. And Graves right, it's going to be consolidated with other services. So in that context, I think it's a matter of time before there'll be stories about Zip. And, you know, with Klarna in play in the media a number of times before, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bet against a story coming out that Klarna is looking at Zip in the next two weeks. Right. Okay. All right. Let's get into uh, the stocks that our viewers want to look at. Um, Tanya, 
uh, wants a view on drop suite. Uh, she says, Gaurav Maitan's view um, would be really appreciated. I heard about it on your show and wanted to get the panel's thoughts on this small cap. It's a cloud software platform which basically is there to um, uh, for make it easier for, for corporate clients to back up, recover and protect um, their business information online. Uh, got some um, uh, links with Microsoft Office and Google Workplace. Matham, um, what about DropSuite? Yeah, look, it's 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 pretty good. I like it. I mean, it's look, it's a micro cap, so you got to take that uh, with the risk that it comes with it. It's a growth story. Numbers are all going in the right direction. You know, I run a tech business, so I kind of know the risk that comes with it. Um, and these kind of services are going to be more in play. Um, looking at the recent data points, all look pretty positive. They seem to be doing relatively well. They're you know in the right place. They've got the right connections. You know, does it? anyone not have connection to Microsoft and Google. Uh, I think everyone who's in tech has some connection. Uh, but look, I think it's it's doing well, but look, it's priced for that. Um, it actually is covered by a couple of brokers. Um, they're looking at, you know, around the high 20s as the target price. So you're not really buying it. You, when you're buying a micro cap, you want to buy a big growth story. You want to buy something that the market doesn't know about. Um, this is not one of them. I think the market knows about these, you know, when you've yeah. got a couple of brokers covered. Everyone knows about it. So that's why I'm not chasing it. But look, I like the story. It, it looks pretty good. I'm keeping it on my watch list. Okay. Uh, Goran? Well, I have to sheepishly admit that I've never heard of this before and um, I was not aware of it. So thank you, Nathan, for, for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems everywhere you look, you, you, know, you, you turn a corner in the market and you come across another one of these SaaS software businesses. They're just everywhere and they're exploding and the reason for that is that they just get rewarded with such rich valuations and the startup costs of of um, starting one of these SaaS businesses is is almost nothing so there's no surprise i suppose there's so many of them around and for that reason i'm often quite suspicious not suspicious i guess just wary i mean they're all trading at 10 to 20 times revenue you know, they all give you these enormous TAMs. They're all working with the top names and they all offer so much promise, but they there's so much risk embedded with these companies. Um, this is, you know, it, it's it's got $11 million in annual recurring revenue, which is a fairly small business, 140 million market cap. Um, this is an intensely competitive area where there's plenty of options. Um, but you know what, what separates DropSuite, I guess, is that the customer reviews are actually amazing. Um, you know, in a in a segment that doesn't typically get a lot of customer love, um, from what I can see, and I've only spent you know a short amount of time on this on this company, um, there seems to be a lot of uh, positive feedback for the product itself, and um, and they claim that they're a market leader in the space. But then I look over at the revenue line, there's only $7 million of revenue. I mean, what kind of market leader has $7 million of revenue? The churn rates are fairly low, which also speaks to a bit of customer love. Um, the other thing that sort of stuck out at me was that the ARPU, the average revenue per user, is less than $2 a month. No. And it just really makes me question how much value this product is really adding if they're only really charging a couple of dollars a month for it. I suppose that helps explain the low churn, but um, it really is, um, you know, they, they have to collect a lot of customers to actually yeah. get to scale here. And there's an awful lot of competition around. 
this seems like a very well managed business. The the management team seems super credentialed. They come from really good places. Um, as I said, the pro the product is getting a lot of love, which is always important and should always get another look. Um, there, this is probably one to put on your watch list. I, I probably won't investigate it too much further, to be honest. It's just so small and yep. so competitive. Um, but if you were going to look at it, have a look at the channel strategy. How are they getting their product to market? It looks like they're deploying a lot of resellers to do that business, and um, that that has good and bad things about it. So um, I probably look at a bit more on the competition, um, the channel strategy, and just investigate why that ARPU is so low. Um, uh, does that reflect low value add, or is that um, a form of discounting? You know, I, I, there are a few things to look at there. Interesting All business, right. but but me. Okay, a bit small for you both. Um, now, Steve uh, Gorab, what's your view on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, one of the regional banks? Yeah, no, look, we've become used to banks being these super profitable engines in this country. You know, in Australia, the typical view of banks is that they're large, super profitable and, um, and great pays of dividends. And it's just not really the history of banks or the experience of banks overseas. And if you want a reminder of that, I think you just have to come down to look at some of these regionals, which um, they're not terrible businesses, to be sure, but they are just um, tough, tough companies to generate returns on. And I look at some of the metrics here um, illustrates what I'm talking about. So Bendigo Bank is a well-established business with a with a decent track record, um, you know, a capable management team. They generate return on assets of 0.4%. Now the average global big global bank would generally do an ROA of about one percent, um, and an ROE, which takes into account gearing, so after they've geared up all their assets, they're still returning just five percent. Uh, these are pretty abysmal returns, really. Um, and for that, you'd want you'd only get interested in this if the price was super attractive. I'd say well below book, um, and it's currently trading at one point two times book. Now book is is the way to value banks because. Book takes into account um, the loans that they issue and the business makes a return on the loans. So therefore, you know, you should be able to make and make a judgment about what those returns are worth. A company like this, I'd look at sort of a 20, 30 percent discount on book. Uh, otherwise, right. I would just not be interested. Even for income investors, I think there are better options. I'd probably be closer to a sell than anything on this one. OK, and uh, Nathan? Yeah, look, I have to agree, uh, sadly. Um, look, the banks are a sell here. They were cheap. Uh, around September, October last year, um, they were trading at you know look, historical low multiples, and now they are at historical high multiples. I mean, Bendigo Regional, um, you know, it's holding up relatively well. It's back at pre-pandemic levels. Um, if you look at the economies, obviously, there's everyone's trying to jump in and do buybacks and dividends before the next slowdown in the economy comes through. But is that sustainable? I just don't think so. We've looked at other uh, ways of getting the yield. If you're looking at it in that thematic, I mean, I, I still think in the in the short to medium term, Telstra still looks a, a lot better play for the yield than the banks. And the macro is still quite negative for the banks. So we're not jumping into any banks. We haven't been. Uh, we didn't take it on the fall. Uh, we so was cheap and had a bounce. It was a macro trade, but that's over. Uh, you're coming in at the late of the cycle, so I wouldn't be jumping in. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Rory wants a view, um, Maitland, on New World Resources. Rory says with the copper price weakening over the last couple of months from all-time highs, long-term outlook remains very positive, though. Would love the panel's view on, uh, on New World Resources. High-grade copper hits 
were consistently achieved at their Antler project in Arizona. It's a, an explorer of, uh, in the copper area and I notice it's just in the last couple of weeks has had uh, some more results from only Matham from three holes with high grade mineralisation in the Arizona area. Not that many holes, but the grade was high. Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Look, these are not you know, easy. These are high risk plays. You're hoping for the right strike. Uh, but you're playing with some big boys. There's some big fundies in there. Um, so they're playing for keeps. So they're looking at pretty big uh, upside. And they're not there for the 10, 20%. So these are in explorers. I'm always careful explorers. You know, once the market starts to use the term commodity super cycle, usually that means top of the cycle. And then when you're in that, you're going to explorers um, in this kind of market when China is trying to curb a lot of um, inflation and commodity prices are coming off like you've seen with iron ore, you've got to be a bit careful. Um, so when you're going late to the cycle, I tend to go for producers because no matter what the commodity price is, you don't benefit being an explorer because you don't know when these explorers become producers what the commodity price is going to be. It's a sentiment trade. But your, your positive side is there's some big fund managers in there. Um, it's had pretty decent results. Um, so I think your downside risk in the short term is low. But again, the caveat is if something comes out wrong and if the drill results don't stack up, and some of these fund managers might decide to get out. And if they get out in a micro cap, it could get pretty ugly. So know your risk return. The good thing is in the copper space, we really only have one guy who actually delivers consistently. That's Oz Mineral. Everyone else, they get into some trouble one way or another. Right. So it's been a tough story for copper players. It's not the easiest thing to do. So I'd say just be a bit careful. Okay. So would you be in it with the with the big fund managers at this stage? Or? If you're already there, I would hold on right. um, and see happens with the drill results because I think the big boys have done their work and they're seeing the risk return. But, um, you know, if you've got fresh money, look, I don't think now is the time no. when copper prices come off the peak. Yep. Uh, Goran? Yeah, you got to be careful with these. So, um, Andler is an old mine that was, op that was last had work done in 1975 and it has not been touched since. And just every time an old mine gets brought back to life, everyone has all these reasons why it's going to be better this time, that it's going to be larger this time, that's going to work. But the truth is it was shut down for a reason back in 1975. So before you do anything else, you want to go back and figure out why was this closed in the 70s? Um, was it geological? Was it regulatory? Or was it economic? And you got to figure out what's changed to make this um, better than it was back then. Most of the time, when older mines come back decades later, they don't tend to do very well. And uh, St. Barbara, I guess, is the poster child for that. Um, you know, they've been operating a gold mine, an older gold mine, and just problem after problem. Um, and it's generally, it's, an, it's a common story throughout the resources industry. Um, I don't know if that's the case here, but that's certainly, if I, if I was holding this, that's, what, that's the, the first bit of research I do is find out what happened in 75 and why why is that not going to happen again um the other thing to note is that the yeah, as you say koshi the exploration the hits are pretty good um very high grades um i'd make two points about the exploration quickly one is that the the type of geology they're dealing with is 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 known as um a volcanic massive sulfide it's a vms which means it's 
they're very potty. They come in, they're, they're typically distributed in, in discrete oh. high grade pods around, around. Right. And so, so it's not a long seam. <laughs> no, it's not a long seam. A long seam gives you op the opportunity for terrific economics because you can yeah. set up um, one bit of infrastructure on top and just mine that seam all nonstop. Yeah. The challenge here is you actually have to find the different pods and collate them um, to your processing yeah. facility. So what looks like a very high grade hit may last, it may not last. You don't know the size of these pods. You've got to find the other ones. Right. Um, so right. it, it can be, it, it requires um, good exploration work and a little bit of luck to get it going. Um, so don't let the high grade fool you. That, I, I discount the high grades for now. The other thing to keep in mind is that the ore it contains copper, gold, and silver lead. And you might think, well, that's fantastic. It's not fantastic. That is a lot of complexity. To get lead out, to get silver out, copper and gold is pretty straightforward. To get the other two things out, you need um, really good work on um, metallurgy. And from what I've seen, these guys haven't quite done the metallurgical right. work yet. So you got you, this is very early stage. Um, I wouldn't touch this until at least the, they had some idea about how they're going to extract um, the other stuff uh, and see some more detailed metallurgical work. Um, a great example of where that can fall down is Olympic Dam. Olympic Dam owned by BHP. If you just look at the value of the ore, it has so much stuff inside the ore. It's probably the most valuable or the second most valuable ore in the world of any mine, but BHP is losing money on it because they can't get the extraction process right. They haven't cracked the metal, metallurgy. And it's a big um, problem for miners. Until they get some more answers on that, I'd wait for a bit more exploration. If this is um, profitable, it'll be worth a lot more than $100 million. So you, you have time. But I would just sit back and wait on this one. Okay. All right. Our next uh, stock, Shahana uh, Goreb, wants a view on Ordnate. Uh, uh, she says, um, it was liked by two experts in our life-changing stock uh, series a couple of weeks ago. Uh, including you, Gaurav, uh, it's since up 20%. Um, is it still worth a buy at these levels? So we obviously own a big chunk of Ordinate. We've, we've owned it since $2 something. I own it personally, again, since $2 something. And I think it's one of the best tech stocks on the market. Um, we've recently put some numbers together for Ordinate, which, um, you know, if you're a member of Intelligent Investor, you can take a look at. But basically... It's possible um, that this business is worth, could be worth up to $50 a share if everything kind of works out right. But um, if things don't work out right, it could be worth sort of a dollar a share. So there's a big value range there. And I think the most likely outcome is at neither higher end of that range, just because this tends to be a winner-takes-all industry. And uh, you're unlikely to have lots of competitors um, competing for the um uh, primacy um, in, in the protocol space. It's, it's not typically the way these industries work. So I think if you're a long-term investor and you're happy with to take on above market risk, you can still buy this at $10. Um, I myself, I'd probably be waiting. I, I reckon if, you, if it's sort of $8 or so, I'd be happy to buy. Uh, at 10 bucks, I'm more of a hold. But as I said, if you're a long-term investor and you don't mind taking a bit more risk, um, this is still has a long way to go and is potentially worth much more than it is today. Okay. Um, but it has jumped a long way and I think you'll probably get a chance to get it cheaper. Now, I'd, I'd go hold for now. Okay. Nathan? Oh, look, this is a, a high quality business. Um, it's one of those ones where I would consider as one of the 
uh, platform checks. Um, I mean, for me, in the platform tech space, LTM is the benchmark, um, and you know we got out of it in early mid last year uh, when it peaked, um, and it's come back, and you know it's a trading range. Marketplace too much for some of these stocks. Ordinate is a great stock. Uh, don't disagree at all. But I think there's a price for everything. I mean, I, I think CSL by far is the best growth stock in our market. And it gives you 30, 40% fallbacks every couple of years. And that's the time to buy into them. And you don't buy in when everyone's paying ridiculous prices for every growth stock. And these good quality ones will remain expensive during that time. So I think Ordinate is doing that. It, look, it's a high quality business. I think it has the potential, as Gaurav said, to go a long way for a long time. But you know, market pays too much and then the exuberance come off. So I'm not buying Ordinate here, but I think it's a really good business. Um, and as Gaurav said, I think when it comes back, uh, you pick it up around eight bucks. That's the time to buy into it. Uh, right. And you know, you, you've got restrictions and so forth playing. It's going to be hard for them to live up to this number in the short term, but in the long term, you know, long term multi-year outlook, I think they'll do well. Okay. All right. Uh, Jack Maytham wants a view on uh, Anero. Um, would you buy a hold or? sell on this and arrow is the uh the big marketing advertising conglomerate not only here but uh but also overseas yeah look it's been a great performer um yep. you know we followed that for a fair bit there's some big uh, fund managers in there i think the fund managers hold about 40 percent 40 50 percent of the yep. holding now i think recent went uh increased their holding recently um so look I think it's doing well, and I think the market knows, and the fund managers are. It's not as liquid as you would think, but it is one of those stocks can be volatile. So, do I want to chase it where it is now? Uh, look, no, I just find it too hard. I, I'm one of those people. You, if you're buying a micro cap stock, you want to buy it before the market realizes the potential, and then you want to get the re-rating because of that potential. Um, there's no point buying a micro cap stock when the you know it's trading at all-time high and the market's aware of it. There's a fair amount of fundies in it. Uh, I think you're led to the story. Uh, look, I still think this looks good, but I'm just not paying the price what it is now. Um, I want to see a pullback and I'll look at it then. It is illiquid, so you know when the market looks a bit dicey, this is the kind of stocks you don't want to be in because if the hunters decide to dump it, there tend to be not much liquidity in a bad market. So you just got to be careful there. Yep. Uh, Gaurav? Yeah, an interesting little business. I've owned this in the past, um, not in the recent past, unfortunately. I actually don't think from memory I made money out of this um, when I owned it. Um, and it's done very well since then. Um, so again, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe take what I say a bit carefully about this one. Um, but it's a decent little business. And um, it's, it's basically a collection of advertising brands um, a very strong collection, I might, might add. It actually owns some of the top brands in Australia and a couple of really good international brands as well. One of their brands is, is, one, is I think, the top um, online marketing agency uh, in, in the world or in the region. And it's, it's, that brand is actually contributing an awful lot of growth. Um, so a lot of the, the financial um, improvements you see are actually coming from a, a narrow subset of brands. So uh, keep, keep that in mind that it's, the whole business isn't performing splendidly. It's, it's often a collection. It's one or two uh, brands from the collection that are doing better than others. Um, and now, the P and the yield all look very attractive. I think it's on sort of 12 times, 13 times. 
and the yield of four or five percent. Um, and uh, it's often a high degree of franking involved with that as well. So you can actually make good returns out of this. But I would argue that a low PE is entirely appropriate because about 20 percent of the revenue comes from just one client. Um, the top 10 clients contribute 50 percent of the revenue. And advertising is notorious for big customers or jumping brands, um, jumping agencies all the time. And they do it without warning. Huge contracts go astray. And so you'd never want to pay more than, say, 12 times, I, in my view, um, for a business like this. It should trade on low multiples. Um, I'd go a hold on this. I think you can still earn um, pretty decent returns from here. But I certainly don't think it's, um, it's cheap or an outsized opportunity from here. Okay. All right. Let's just re, uh, recap the, uh, the first five stocks uh, you've asked us to take a look at today. Um, drop suit, um, a no from both uh, Maiton and, and Gorab, but um, uh, sort of watching it, an interesting little business. Uh, Bendigo Bank, a no. Um, and Gorab saying, look, at, at these levels, almost a sell. Um, New World Resources, a hold from Gorab, a no from Mathan. Uh, Ordinate, great business, just really expensive at the moment on the valuations. If you're a long-term buyer, certainly if you're in for five or ten years, um, maybe at these levels. If you're in it, hold it, but both of them would be much more interested if there was a pullback to around the $8 mark. It's around $10 at the moment. And an arrow, a hold from uh, Gorab and a no from Mathan. Um, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since uh, the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Week, we're up 0.2% uh, on the month, nearly 1.5% uh, year to date since 1st of July 2021, up 1.75%. Uh, uh, if you're looking, uh, if you want to see some of the stocks that have been added recently, Monash IBF was added to the portfolio recently. Uh, Steadfast, Goodman, Rio Tinto and Midway. Some of the stocks removed, Evolution Mining, Premium and McMahon. You can check uh, all the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Gorab, uh, Sophia wants a view on Ridley Corporation, the... Um, um, basically the, the feed, animal feed business, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Um, now, I'm betting Nathan's going to love this one. So before, I'm glad you went came to me before you went to him. Um, <laughs> hopefully, keep in mind what I say before you, you listen to Nathan. He's probably going to be wrong about it. <laughs> <laughs> but this seems like a perfectly fine business, right? But just the persistently low margins and low returns, it's pretty difficult to overlook. Um, you're looking at historic return on assets of 4 to 5%, gross margins of 7%. I mean, how do you make money from gross margins that low? Um, and the answer is they often don't. <laughs> you know, when they do make money, you're sort of looking at uh, 2 3% margins. There's never any free cash flow. I think in the last five years, there's been free cash flow once in this business. It's been around for a long time, never really delivered terrific returns. Uh, I actually don't think it's badly managed. I just think it's a really difficult business. You're dealing with competition and cyclicality 
and um, and and prices that move around a lot. It's 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 difficult to manage. It's not a great great quality business. Even if it was super cheap, um, I would still be wary of buying this. Just there's so much on that can hit it, and um, it's difficult to buy this with any degree of certainty. Um, Look, I, I just don't think you need to do it, Koshi. It's just a, a hard, poor quality business. Why would you bother? I, I sell, sell this and, and go buy something else. Okay. Uh, Nathan, was uh, Gorab being a bit harsh there? Are you offended? Oh, Gorab. Gorab. Um, uh, look, I've, it, I, look, I can see where he was expecting me to be positive. Uh, look, I think the whole macro uh, is where I'll start with. The whole farming agri sector fanatic for me is very positive. We lo- we like a number of those stocks, um, and I agree with him on usually in the context that well, management has tried. I mean, this has been around a long time. It always struggles. Um, I put it in the uh, basket that even in a good macro, they tend to find dead bodies. So it's it's one of those ones where why do I want to take the risk of something going wrong? And you know we're in inflation problem and costs are going up and. For a lot of these guys, that's going to be a huge issue um, going into the re- reporting season. It, the interesting part about it is, you know, I, I'm going to say something, and, and I know Gaurav's and Wayne's are going to pop. Um, I tend to look at it like Elders, but Elders is much better. Elders used right. to be bad, yeah. and then they fixed it up, and Elders is trading quite well, and they're executing quite well. Mm-hmm. The macro still plays for them. so. I'm looking at it going, why would you, and if you look at the chart, it's almost the same type of chart. And so you're playing the same thematic, you're playing the same upside, but you're getting a much better business in elders. So mm. I'm looking at elders going, well, I'm going to get the same kind of returns as, as potentially I'm going to get with Ridley, but it's a much better business. So I just don't see the risk return for you to be in Ridley uh, for that exposure. Um, if you're playing the thematic, I'd rather be in elders. It's done well. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's one of those businesses that you just know something's going to go wrong. And, you know, it's a bit like Newcrest in gold stores. You just know they're <laughs> going to do it. And then you turn around and go, oh, shocker, they did it. And, you know, that's what I try and avoid. Data is a beautiful <laughs> thing. It tells you to stay away from some stocks. And Ridley is one of them. If, I, I think the valuation similar kind of plays in elders. I think elders could do the same returns, if not a bit more. And the quality of elders tells me, it doesn't have the same risk. So, you know, risk return. I prefer elders. Okay. Are you wow. shocked, Gaurav? Oh, it's just nice. To, I'm, I'm shocked that I'm hearing so much sense from Nathan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I agree. All right. Um, Nathan, Michelle wants a view on Avato. I'd like a view on the digital printing stock now. Uh, I'd never heard of it until I realised it was the renamed PMP, uh, the big catalogue and custom publishing uh, printing business, uh, similar to IVE, isn't it? It's sort of a competitor in in that that segment. And I didn't realise they named it Avato, uh, inspired by the word ovation. Yes. There you go, a bit of trivia. Um. So, you know, back in the day when I was at uni, I used to actually deliver pamphlets. It was a really good business. Um, so I kind of understand where this model ran through and the time it was, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Did this you really great... deliver them or did you just dump them yeah, in, yeah, the, actually, in the bin? Um, it was a really good paying job. Yeah, you're a uni right. student. You do it at one to four in the morning. Uh, the only problem is sometimes you get chased by dogs. 
Uh, but that's a minor. Um, and it's and, good for uh, and that's still the same in the share market. <laughs> it is a bit like trading in the share market. Uh, look, I've followed PMP for years. I know guys who've been in love with PMP for years. It was the value trade. It just got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And I think it made their life hell. Um, and so it was one of those ones, it's been etched in my head, stay away. Um, and now they are basically selling part of their retail business to do what they do even more. Um, and, you know, it's just too hard. It's, it's, it's an asset play, you, you know, cash flow generation. They could do this for a while. I just think, look, you know, as, as the great Gaurav would say, there are easier ways to make better returns than take this kind of risk. I, I've looked at this for way too long, and I just just know that you need to stay away. Yep, Gaurav, and particularly when some of the big catalogue users, the big retailers, are now ditching them. Yeah, look, the amount of emails you get from Woolworths membership telling you all the deals and yeah. you can click through and execute, you know, it, the times have changed. Yeah. Gaurav? Nathan's actually been very kind not to name me as the one of the idiots who was uh, buying this stock when it was uh, PMP. <laughs> so thank you for that, Nathan. <laughs> but I've just added myself. Um, Kosha, you, you've been doing this series on stocks that changed your life. Yeah. I reckon PMP has, is, is a stock that changed my life. It, it changed the way I invest because I lost so much money on it. Um, I've, I don't think I've ever lost as much on any stock as PMP. And and it was because I just had so much confidence um, in, in the investment case. So PMP was a, a struggling printing business and they got into catalogs. It was actually making lots and lots of money um, printing catalogs and catalog volumes for a long time were actually stable while the rest of the print industry was being decimated. So I thought I'd found this little niche inside printing that was being mispriced and being valued like the rest of printing. And so, um, and they were generating lots of free cash flow. There was five or six competitors. And I thought, look, if, they, if they're making all this free cash flow, um, they could just buy up some competitors and, and cut industry capacity. And we did a lot of research on this, spent months on the stock. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, that's I've and PMP consolidated the industry. They turned um, five or six competitors into two. The share price uh, was almost a triple for me. I thought it was a genius. <laughs> uh, went hard again and I bought more and it, it just the returns didn't materialize and it didn't materialize because it's just a lousy industry and um, they kept on having to reinvest capital into printing all the returns they got from lower costs got passed straight onto their customers volumes that were stable for years suddenly got crunched and it just turned into an awful awful business and once you've the, the, what's worse is once you've invested so much time and psychological attachment to an idea that everyone tells you is wrong, um, it becomes really hard to turn around. And so when I change my mind or panic about a stock, I change my mind quickly and I panic early. And that is uh, one of the lessons I've learned. And also just, just quality. This is just a loud, well, this is one of the worst quality businesses on the ASX. If this is around in three or four years time, I'll be shocked. It's a 40 million market cap with $160 million in debt and leases. One or 2% margins. A very good competitor in IVE, a stronger competitor. And Coles, which was 20% um, of their business or so, uh, has decided not to print catalogs anymore. And it's only a matter of time, I think, before 
other yep. big retailers um, do the same thing. This is you, you got to you, anyone who's who's bought stock on this has probably lost a lot of money. Um, just get out while you can. Sell, okay. avoid. All right. Uh, Rob wants a view, Gaurab, on uh, Crown Resorts. Uh, Rob says, I bought it at $8.90. It's still falling. Am I going to cry? Uh, this one is currently... <laughs> what do you think? Is Rob going to end up crying? You lost a couple of bucks, Rob. Jeez, come on. Man up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, you, it, there's a serious point there. I mean... You're not wrong about a stock just because the share price falls, and you're not right about a stock just because the share price rises. I think as an investor, you've got to get used to not not basing your, your 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 level of conviction on what the share price does on a short-term basis. You know, you've got to have an investment case, and you've got to have conviction and to see it out. And you know, if, if that case changes, you've got to be quick to change your mind. But if it doesn't, then you know, changes in the share price don't really mean that much. And I think that's the case here for Crown. So we own Crown and and like Rob, we, we bought this uh, in the depths in March at, at eight bucks something and we've been holding it. And I actually think there's a fair bit of value here. Um, there's, a, there's, an, there's a small probability that they lose their license. Um, and if that happens, there's gonna be a significant loss. But when you weigh it up, I mean, Crown is the largest employer in, uh, in Victoria. Um, unlikely to have their license stripped away. Even if that does happen, there's residual assets there that are probably worth around the market cap. Um, uh, so I think there's there's still a lot of the, the downside here is probably well protected, and there's probably a 60 70 percent to be made on the upside. And um, wow. I know they've they've turned it down at the moment, but an eventual merger between Star and Crown makes so much sense. It is so yeah. sensible that I think it's the ultimate end game here and it's likely to happen at much higher prices. So I would actually, this is one to sit tight on. Um, some stocks um, you don't want to allocate any patience to, uh, like PMP, or, or Vito, sorry. Uh, those stocks, you want to be very frugal with your patience. There are other stocks, higher quality stocks, where actually that's where you exercise patience and Crown falls into that category. Be patient with this one and, and hold. Okay, hold, would you be buying it? Uh, we've got to buy below $8. It's very close to that. So, right. look, a couple of cents here and there is not going to change much. Um, yeah, look, I'd be happy to yep. buy this at this price. Nathan? Yeah, it's it's what you call an ugly buy. Um, you know, yes, everything right. is ugly. It just looks like a you know disaster. Uh, side. You know, it's, it's when, you know, bomb blasters happen and everything everywhere. It's, it's just a complete mess. Uh, but the important thing is you've got to look at self-interest. The governments may, you know, we've got regulatory boards everywhere for every industry. I mean, when was the last time they actually, you know, stopped an industry and actually cleaned it up? They come up with rules. These rules take years to fine tune. Then we've got industry play, which diluted down to nothing. I mean, look at our bands. And then nothing really happens. Uh, but what I've said the key term there, they're a massive employer. So, yeah, they'll have restrictions, um, but that'll be allowed. I, I think. The M&A is the out for this stock, um, and for them, they'll probably need to have management change. So an M&A will clean it out. Star makes logical sense. Um, that dance is not over. I think private equity will come back and look at it again. The only problem is, I'm one of those people who don't want to say M&A is the reason you want to buy a stock, but in this case, it pretty much is, uh, is an asset play. But I think M&A will come. If not, it's be a slow grind back. So. 
if you're an investor, do you want to jump in because of the uncertainty? Probably not. But if you're a holding crowd, I'd say no need to throw it out. Just I know it looks ugly. I know every day you look at this and go, oh my God, can it get a lower? Probably will in the short term. But I think around these levels, you've already taken the pain. Uh, I think there's a really high chance over the next six months that you'll get some clarity. So yes, it's ugly, but I think it's a, it's a buy. Okay, all right. Um, Luke wants a view um, on Nathan Queensland Pacific Metals. Luke says, I work, I work in healthcare and a lovely patient of mine often gives me stock tips. Um, this is one that seems to have a lot of promise from him. So uh, should he take the advice of his patient? Uh, it's uh, developing a Townsville energy chem- chemicals hub. Uh, it's basically into uh, uh, providing the ingredients for batteries, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's your play in uh, battery tech. I mean, if you yep. haven't worked out that those stocks are running, uh, you need to pretty much get back in the um, So every stock that's got battery tech written on it, it's running on a daily basis. This is boom time pricing. Um, so any explorer that's got battery tech attached to it, um, it's a bingo word and it's running. And this has done well. Um, and there are some decent fundies in there. So it's, it's, it, it's, it's got all the hallmarks for a decent play. But again, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not without its risk. So when you come in, when the stock has gone, say in the last year today, it's gone from around three, four cents to 16 cents. Um, it's had a good run. Um, and so any kind of disappointment or market risk, these are illiquid stocks, you can get smashed. So again, my life-changing stock was uh, IGO um, and their producers, high quality, big player, and it's going, you know, it's done really well. That, that's telling you why all the explorers are running as well. Now, in that context, it looks interesting. Uh, you know, it's really hard for me to buy a stock that's run this hard, um, and especially an explorer in this kind of market. Um, when there's peak optimism in battery tech. So in that context, I'm not chasing, but look, if you're there, the thematic is still running. So you sit tight and ride it for what it's worth. But I'd be very careful taking profit gradually through the cycle because you've had a good run. Okay, so IGO is your preferred one in the area. Uh, Gaurab, what do you think of Queensland Pacific? Probably goes without saying, but if we only ever bought stocks from lovely people we'd never buy anything from Nathan and I so that that's no filter to hang your hat on um I look you've got to be really when you're buying a stock you know you're not it, it, you're buying a piece of a business you it, you can't just buy something because someone tells you even even you know a professional even if I tell you to buy a stock or Nathan tells you you can't just buy because we tell you it, what we te- what we what you need to have is an idea about why you're buying it. You have to have a really tight investment case. Millions of people and billions of dollars are pouring through all these ideas. This is a one of the most highly efficient and um, and and well covered parts of life, really. Um, and for you to for anyone to buy a stock means you've got to have some idea about why you're right and the other guy's wrong. And um, I, I just can't really see that. Um, with with this business at the moment, um, two hundred million dollars. It's it's not small, and there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of sexy words. There's a lot of marketing and sales gone gone into the presentations. Everywhere there's battery materials plastered on. I'd argue this is probably a chemicals business more than a mining business. 
Um, and, uh, you know, if you look at the value chain of, 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 of where the returns are going to be made in battery tech, I'm pretty sure, I mean, they might be made at the mining stage because you have to hold some um, scarce and economic mining material. They might be made at the end stage where you sort of you brand your electric car and um, you've got to sell it to the ultimate buyer. Um, it's unlikely to be made in that manufacturing stage where manufacturing mm -hmm. and, and chemicals processing is basically an application of, of capital. And anyone with enough capital can set up their own manufacturing plant, buy the raw materials, sell it to a seller. It's not the part of the value chain that's going to explode or going to make the most money. Um, so, you know, if you're a real big believer in tech, just just keep in mind uh, in, in battery tech. Sorry, just keep in mind where you are in the value chain and which yep. part of that chain is likely to to collect the bulk of the of the gains from the growth in this sector. Okay. Uh, there's a long way to go for this company. They've got some interest from some um, Asian battery manufacturers, and that's great. Um, but they're not even in production. There's heavy, heavy processing involved in this. Um, and whenever you see heavy processing, read risk. Um, they just don't know whether that's going to work or not. Can they extract um, the materials? We don't know. Um, these are difficult. It's not like processing gold um, or copper. You know, these these are these are hard to extract, hard to process minerals, and um, and you just they have to go further along before okay. they're investable. All right. it's, it's too expensive, too risky. All right, let's uh, our final stop. We'll need to skip through this a bit because we're running out of time. Mitchell wants a view on Gen X. Will it or won't it ever go anywhere? Is um, uh, Michelle Rowe, not Mitchell, Michelle's view, Gaurav, it's a power generation development company focused on clean energy uh, generation and, and storage. Yes, yeah, super interesting. Um, we've done a little bit of work on this. Um, we've got a detailed review on the website for anyone interested. Um, I look the, the team landed on sort of a non-committal hold. I actually think this is probably a better idea than uh, what we decided. Um, I would I'm, I'm going to go with a speculative buy on it. So Gen X is really about um, about um, heavy capex upfront to set up um, renewable power um, operations at that sort of a very large utility scale, and then selling that um, on a contracted basis. So you can almost think of it like a a new age power station, um, yep. except that it kind of pre-sells everything it owns. Um, and it generates these really valuable credits along the way, which sort of is a, is a nice kicker to the economics. Um, the company has gone into a lot of depths about the economics of the, of, the, um, of the projects. They actually look all right. High risk because they have to build up front and collect the revenues later on. And what they're doing is, is a little bit new. Um, but I think the demand is there. Um, as I said, the economics are quite strong. It's a reasonable punt to take. It is a punt, but it, it's a reasonable one. I go okay. spec buy on it. Um, Nathan? Yeah, look, it's an interesting stock. Uh, as with the number of stocks today, uh, we've learned about new stocks. Uh, I, I just wonder what you're buying in the short to medium term. It's not giving you a yield. You're buying a, a, a thematic that you are hoping over the medium to long term will deliver. I'm one of those people, it's not in the data yet, so I'll wait to see how it plays out. Once the data starts to be delivered and you can see what it's going to be for a return basis, then I'll be looking into it. It is definitely interesting, but I just think it's, you know, in a market that's expensive, uh, this doesn't stack up for me in the short term. So I'm not jumping in. Okay. And it's back to the high, so All right. not a lot. All right, guys, we got a dash. Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor. Don't forget to uh, 
go to the platform, sign up for it. Uh, good report on Ordinate, as Gaurav was saying, and also on Genix. Uh, good to see you, Nathan. Good to see you from Deep Data Analytics. We will catch you next time. We've got a dash. Uh, just a quick recap on um, our final five stocks, Ridley Corporation, uh, basically a sell from uh, uh, from Gaurab Mathan, no, he prefers Elders, Avato, no, uh, Crown Resorts, an ugly buy from both of them, uh, Queensland Pacific Metals, no from Gaurab, Mathan prefers IGO in the space, and Genex, a speculative buy from Gaurab, done a lot of work on it, and uh, no from Mathan. If you uh, have any stocks you want us to cover, put them in an email, uh, the call at osbiz.com.au. Uh, reminder, all the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want a full wrap up of the day, you need our newsletter at the end of the day. It gets in your inbox about 5.30. You get Scuddy's view, you get links to the podcasts and most popular videos. Uh, subscribe at osbiz.co forward slash the COB. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.